Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Hawks and Handsaws. Uh, I'm Eric, and this is Brad, your hosts. And uh, today we're going to be talking about board games. Is that right, Brad? Board that is games? right. Board games, Okay, yeah. good. Board games. And uh, I'll be honest, I'm slightly out of my depth on this one. I don't particularly play a whole bunch of board games, so I'm going to rely on Brad here a little bit. Uh, so, Brad, the for you, I, I guess, in, in, just to kick this off somewhere, <laughs> um, for you, what what niche in your life or what role do board games play for you? What role do they play for me? See, you're already taking this uh, a direction I'd never anticipated. So, um, oh, okay. Board games are how I socialize with people because uh, I don't see people otherwise. For whatever reason, getting into like a room with a group of people and just chatting doesn't do it enough for me. Like it needs to be something that we're doing together, whether that's like, I don't know, eating a meal, taking a ditch, whatever it is, you know, we're, we're doing an activity <laughs> together. And a board game is a, a fun way, a fun thing to do together. And, uh, yeah. So every board game I've played has been a social event of late. All right. You know, that's kind of interesting now that, now that you mentioned that, that we seem to need an excuse to be social. We, mm-hmm. <laughs> we can't yeah. just be social. Like let's, let's have a reason to be social. Ah, we can't really go visit family. We need to do something with family. <laughs> let's have a board game night with family or let's invent a podcast or, you, you know, whatever. <laughs> oh, hey, <laughs> that sounds like an interesting idea to be social. <laughs> <laughs> so this episode yeah. is getting very meta here. <laughs> but no, that's, that's why I play board games. Um, it's usually to get together with somebody I don't talk to enough with, with the exception of when I play with my wife, because we, my wife and I have um, a two-player game that we're playing together, which is fun. But that is not the excuse to get together with her. I do see her outside of playing board games. But everybody else that play board games with, it's just board games with them. I would argue, though, that playing with your spouse, it's still kind of an excuse to get with them because you have other responsibilities, other things that press on your time. And this is an opportunity to make sure that there is, there are no other pressing things. It's you and me time. Absolutely. So so tell me about this two player game. I'm kind of curious now. Well, it's, it's not exclusively two player. It is two to four player. Um, It is called Arkham Horror. And not to be confused with Arkham Horror, this is the one I'm referring to is Arkham Horror, the card game, which I'm considering a board game because board games and card games kind of go hand in hand in my life. I feel like uh-huh. same same concept. Um, there's an Arkham Horror, the board game, which it's not this one. We're talking about the card game. So it's a two-player cooperative game where you fight Lovecraftian monsters together. So we haven't played it tons. We've only played the first mission and we're gearing up for the second one. Um, but the, the gameplay loop, I guess, is you have your character, your investigator, and your investigator is good at a thing. I chose the FBI agent. He's good at kicking down doors, shooting guns, and taking notes. So that's what my guys are good at. Uh, Maureen's character is a waitress who started getting into her like magical powers. So she's got like the oh. mystical mental stuff. Um, and so she walks a fine balance of getting, taking mental damage, which enhances her mental capability because it like frees her mind. a little. I don't know, but it's a weird balance, but she's all magic-y and stuff. And when things get weird, my guy doesn't have a lot of mental health. Um, he can't handle the horror. If he can't grapple with it mentally, he just breaks down. So, um, it's an interesting combo, but yeah, so that's the characters. And then we have a deck of cards per character and we fight 
monsters, we investigate clues. Um, it's kind of a dynamic situation. You don't know what your objective is until you get into it. So instead of um, knowing what you're getting into, like there's always events that happen, there's creatures that spawn, you don't expect it. It's all very fluid and it's fun to experience for the first time. You, you never know what's around that corner because the game mixes up the rules every time. So Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And despite the name, I'm guessing Batman does not make an appearance. Yes. That was the first thought we had too. <laughs> like, is this Batman? It's <laughs> 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 like a DC branded. No, it's it's not Batman at all. It is Lovecraftian that type of horror stuff and put in the city of Arkham, no relation to a Batman. Got so. it. Got it. Well, this is yeah. interesting, though, because this seems a lot more involved than you might say a traditional board game. So sure. to me, from the description you give, it sounds much more like a one of those old time you choose your own adventure books, except you're doing it together. And, you know. Yeah. Curious. Definitely that. Um, so the the first mission had three outcomes that could have happened. So um, you have objectives that you need to fulfill to get like the positive outcome. Um, the enemies have objectives they need to fulfill. So you're racing against the board game, the, the game itself. Like, the game itself is trying to uh, complete its own objectives. And then if everybody just dies. So those are, those are the three ways you can finish a mission. So you can do it well, <laughs> you can all just die, or um, it, the bad guys win. So the positive one was we stopped to lay the scene. I was in my study, in my FBI character's study, and waitress lady is my partner investigating weird stuff going on. We try to open the door, but like the door disappears and it just becomes a wall. <laughs> and we're like, that's that's bad, I think. And then ghouls start coming out of the ground. So we had to figure out a way out of the study while fighting these ghouls. And eventually, this other bounty hunter shows up and he's like, you got to get out of here. And I'm like, yeah, probably. And then he's like, you got to burn that house down because the ghouls are going to keep coming. And I'm like, that's my house. <laughs> and so we had a choice there, burn your house or not burn your house. And so I gave us an extra branch of what options are available. So I opted to burn the house down because it's full of monsters. And so now my character has permanent mental damage going into the next stage. Mental trauma, I guess, not damage, but trauma. So, it, it, <laughs> yes, a little bit more involved. Kind of choose your own adventure, though. Yeah. Interesting. So, I, I guess this is this is curious to me because these are not the sorts of things that I play, um, yep. nor my wife. We uh, <laughs> we recently had the privilege of. Uh, of playing, oh, what was it? I think it was called Fantasy Flux. Basically, it's one of the sure. Fluxes. There are a zillion yep. versions of Flux. And it's a, a card game, If for those of you that haven't played. They, they do various versions, and they're all... Um, uh, they all surround this theme, except for the original, I would guess. And basically, they have these very simple base rules of here are cards, <laughs> you grab a card, you do something on the card, you move on or whatever. And mm -hmm. then all the cards that you play, they change the rules. And so the rules are always in flux. Um, so it gets kind of involved as far as how the gameplay works. And uh, I'll, I'll be honest, playing it, it just seems so cumbersome <laughs> because... <laughs> You, you don't get to stick with the normal gameplay. You have to read every single card in detail. And that's like not a short amount of text a lot of the time. <laughs> and you have to like, wait, what are we? There's a lot of things that you've got to keep in your head, but then remember, and then, and then it's changing. So then all that stuff you were keeping in your head, you can't keep in your head anymore because it's different. So it was just a very involved game. So it, it seemed cumbersome to me so it, this is curious because i think my wife and i when we look to play a game we hope we don't look for it to be 
Oh, I don't know. I, I feel like we we want to enjoy our time, and if it takes too much effort to just get to the enjoyment part of it, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's like, what's the point? This is too much work. This was supposed to be an enjoyable experience, a quick right. way to be sociable with each other or with other people. Um, we have been, we have a, a good friend who loves board games and has got board games up the wazoo. And every time we would go uh, and visit with them, we would play w- one of their board games. Often it was a new one. Sometimes it he, he himself had never played. And so mm-hmm. more than half the time we're reading rules and trying to figure out, or he's explaining it to us and like 10 minutes in, your eyes are kind of glazing over. Like, I, I, what? Can we just play and maybe I'll catch on? <laughs> maybe I won't. <laughs> You know, yeah. um, and so that's kind of been my experience with a lot of board games, especially these these new fancy ones that get involved. You know what I mean? Totally. I think that's so, uh, kind of one of the reasons why I've never been really into Risk. It takes so much time to just set the whole dang board up. <laughs> I have a deep love for Risk. So... Um, I have so many comments, but all the things you said, you're right. Having the person not play the game first before trying to introduce it to somebody who doesn't play games in general, bad plan. I'm going to say that was a bad <laughs> move on your friend's part. He should have picked a game or they should have picked a game that they had experience with so they could explain it better. Like that's, that's just not cool to, to learn at the same time as your guests that aren't gamers. Well, I mean, he's generally at least read the rules and has some understanding. He tries to explain it, but all the same, it's like, this is getting to be a long winded explanation. (laughs) Yes. Um, So for party games, for people who are just kind of casually there, like you got to have a quick thing like flux. It's not hard to understand. And the game itself, it sounds like you don't enjoy it as much. Um, I don't find keeping track of the rules to be a problem. Um, and like understanding how it changes, I think that's fine for me. Uh, I grew up playing a game that I forgot the name of actually, but it was a game that we made up at camp. It was with a normal deck of cards and, uh, there was one rule in the beginning. And then every time like somebody laid down a card or every time there's a round, I forget how exactly it worked, but new rules were created but the new rules were created in secret by the person who did a thing. And so the the goal of the game is to get rid of all your cards. So you're playing Uno in in essence, like get all your cards down. But every time you play, you know, the seven of clubs or whatever, you had to like get up and run around the table twice or some random rule. But the person creating the rule didn't explain it. Everybody else had to catch on. And so like, six, seven, eight rounds in, you have these eight random rules that you had to learn from context clues. And the penalty is you have to draw three cards if you don't follow the rules. And like, if somebody had been playing this, or a group of people have been playing this for a while, and you walk in as a newcomer, they don't explain anything to you. They just deal you in. And you're just like, all right, <laughs> and see what happens when I play this card. Or if you ask for help, or if you say a certain word, or like, whatever the rule is, like, it's just... That was fun to me to have so many rules that it was just ridiculous. And so Flux does that. Um, my issue with Flux is that victory feels so hollow because uh, you just need the stars to line up just right to play your play your whatever. And like it's there's no long term strategy to it, so it feels yes. like a very long dice roll to see. Who yes got lucky okay um yeah you know, then get, go ahead go ahead and for your last thing was like it takes too long to learn the rules to play a game i do agree again for party games it should be quick to pick up um but the more rules at least the more good rules in the game the more difficulty the game can have which is why I, I like the more complicated games, not just complicated to be complicated, but complicated enough to have play and counterplay 
to everything that happens. That where you can out strategize your opponent. That's great. Um, risk does not do this. Risk is more diplomacy and luck than anything else. Like there is no outplaying <laughs> really when you're fighting somebody. But uh, well, I'm sure it is because everyone always brags by the end of it. How good it is? Yeah. Well, for instance, I I won from Australia. I'm just saying right now. Thank you. <laughs> Classic Australia play. Um, <laughs> no, like <laughs> at one point in my life, I had a few roommates, and we were too poor to buy Risk, but we all wanted to play it. So we opened up a cereal box and drew the Risk map from memory, and played it with spare change. And uh, we only had a couple hours a week to spend on this game, so it took like six weeks to play it. And we were all invested heavily in our little stack of change risk board game. Like it's, it's the best thing. So I just love risk. <laughs> and it doesn't take that long to set up in my opinion, but mileage varies obviously because you're like, yeah, not worth it. Yeah. It's too much, too many pieces to keep track of. And, oh, man, also, it's just, you've got to be invested because it's so stinking long. Yes. And I don't have time to play a game like that. I don't have time for Monopoly. Well, Monopoly's yeah. an even longer game in some instances, so. Like, I've sat Every down time and my played son a risk asks, game for like, in, like, two hours. Like, two hours start to finish, so. That's so long. It's for than game. Monopoly. But every every time my son asks to play life, I'm like, uh, okay, because that one's too long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess from my experience, I grew up playing card games. Like that was the major thing that we did. I would play. Mm-hmm. I played with my sister. She she and I were the only two left in the house. Um, our oldest two siblings were largely gone by when I was a kid, they had grown up and married. Um, so it was just me and my youngest sister who's six years older than me. And, uh, we would, we just play cards together for the most part. We would occasionally play some board games. Uh, we would play Monopoly a handful of times, but I would always lose really terribly. And she would bit by bit just strip me of all of <laughs> <laughs> all of my properties and monies and it was just not a fun game mm-hmm. <laughs> um the only board game that i was really good at playing her was checkers and because i was good at checkers we never played that game <laughs> 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 because i would win and i'm six years younger so that shouldn't be a thing obviously so we would never play checkers um <laughs> I think it would usually end up in a wrestle after that, and I would always lose. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Well, I'm going right. to sneak in for the first trivia question because it's about checkers. And it's okay, organic. Go for it. There's a website called boardgamegeek.com. And uh-huh. They are a, I don't know, they have lots of, like, sell, they sell stuff and they have reviews. They have reviewed checkers from zero to 10 user reviews. What have people rated checkers? Zero to ten? What kind of rating system is that? Everyone knows it's five stars. Whatever. Zero to ten. All right. Zero to ten. What is checkers? They do it in stars, so that makes you feel better. So zero so to ten stars. They're part of the way there, huh? Yeah. Um, I, I guess uh, you can only go down to one star. Okay. One star is, is that- the bottom. Are they doing like decimal system here too? They have decimal there. So you get one decimal. Okay. One decimal. Got to make sure I got my sig figs here. <laughs> um, uh, oh, I don't know. Eight, seven. 8.7. Yep. Is the rating for checkers. According to an average of 7,600 ratings on the game of checkers, it is a 4.9. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I don't like checkers. <laughs> checkers is lame. So I'm I'm with the people on this one. Or these people. I wouldn't say the people. This is a very small Apparently it's the people. Thing. But a four. Well, okay, five. 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 Wow. Right. That's for, an F. Uh, that is an F. <laughs> um, <laughs> for context, the game of chess is uh, a 7.2 on this website. Ugh. So whatever that's worth. HS. <laughs> really? HS. So many stupid rules. It's like, here are the basic rules. These guys move one space forward. Oh, except on the first turn, they move twice forward. If you want, but they don't have to. And then uh, they attack diagonally. Okay. With okay, but then these other pieces, well, they all have their own deal. Like this guy moves straight as long as it's straight in a particular direction, but mm-hmm. not diagonal straight. But this guy moves diagonally straight. Oh, okay, cool. But this guy, mm-hmm. or excuse me, girl, can actually do both of those. Oh, and this one moves in an L. Oh, what are you kidding me? Moves in an <laughs> L? What? Nothing <laughs> does that. And anyway, and then you have these particular moves that when you have these pieces in this particular orientation, then they do like this complete swap around the board business. What? What? Who? You guys are making this up. It's like, I love Egyptian war card game. And then it was always just like you slap the doubles and all this stuff. And then people came in with, oh, and there are sandwiches. And then they're like, no, no, there are no sandwiches. Why are you saying sandwiches? (laughs) It's not a thing. It was a thing. I made it up. It's great. <laughs> you didn't make it up. I didn't make it up. No, but I definitely supported whoever made it up. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, what were you going to say? <laughs> I mean, if chess has too many rules for you, then some of these board games are just too much. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, because part of it too is I I don't know that all of these rules like chess has these like I feel like they're underground rules like you're only really into chess. You only know these rules if you're really into chess. You know, you can get the basic movements. um, But then, like I said, there are those special circumstances where if the pieces line up in this particular fashion, then you can move them this way or Mm -hmm. all that stuff. And it's like it's a very... uh, Oh, I want to say like an exclusive way to have a game. It's like, oh, you're you're part of the in crowd now if you know these rules. What? No. I think all of that kind of stuff goes against this idea that you were talking about. That gaming, for the in large measure, is a social endeavor. Yeah. And if it's by nature exclusive, then it's not a social endeavor. It's now a competition. Well, I would say. The games I play are social in nature, and that's my intent. I don't think chess was ever meant to be social. I think chess hey, was yeah. built to be competitive. A battle of wits. Yeah. Yeah. It's meant to be a battle because it's a battle. <laughs> it is abstracting a battle. So, yeah. I, th- I think you're totally right. And I think that's... Um, I'm going to segue a little bit into different types of games. So you have like the competitive games which are duels between people. So you have like chess, checkers, backgammon, whatever. Just 1v1 Even Egyptian War, I suppose, right? Yeah. And like Egyptian War, I'd say it branches that out to multiple people. So as soon as you become like, when it's not 1v1, it becomes more social. Okay. Immediately. Because like, if it was just me versus you, like the intensity is all just between us. Yeah. And so it's not going to be too much like chit chat you know we're just gonna go at each other but as soon as you add a third person to like egyptian war you can kind of like hey buddy let's make fun of that third person you know like that's that's kind of it becomes more of a social dynamic there when you have three people but in a competitive game and then with my wife and i playing our cooperative game that's more social because we're competing against the game it becomes a third entity so there's a social versus competitive version of gaming. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think like with all the pieces, with all the rules, all that stuff, I think all of that in large measure, if it gets too cumbersome, once again, gets in the way of that 
society being able to interact with each other um because then you're not talking to each other not enjoying each other's company you're trying too hard to figure out the rules you're trying too hard to (laughs) balance what's going on and figure it out and not look dumb (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know because it is social in the that regard that you're around other people trying to put up at least some sort of an appearance of being an intelligent human being. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you've got, you know, social norms you got to put into place like, Oh, they want me to play this game. So I need to play along so that I can be a a good guest or, (laughs) you know, I'm trying to be a good host and they want to play this game and I don't like that game. And anyway, lots of other things come into play too. Yeah. And like, it's, uh, I think one of the better social games I've played recently um, with people that don't play games very often is like Settlers of Catan. Because like, it's such uh-huh. a chill game. There's no direct attacking other players. There's a lot of downtime when you're just kind of chilling, looking at the board, talking to other people. Hey, you want to trade this for this? Like, it's just kind of a, I don't know. It fits that mold really nice. Um, taking it up a level. I have a friend that plays Gloomhaven with me, which is take a RPG video game and make it a board game. And, and that's, that's, that's it. Basically. Um, it's a longstanding campaign, very complex, a lot of stuff going on, not the most complex board game, but it has a lot of complexity to it. Um, and that one, it's harder to be social with my friend because we're trying not to die. <laughs> and we've been stuck on the same scenario for three weeks now. Because we keep losing. And so like it's as you were saying, you're trying not to look stupid. You're trying to make the right plays <laughs> and complete the mission and you're you're talking less. So I guess there's just so many flavors and varieties. Yeah. Yeah, no, two two things, I guess, along with that. The first one is uh, I feel like one of the games that we've come across recently that I have felt really leans into being sociable well uh, is Code Names. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. played it. I've seen um, it. I haven't played it. Yeah, so it's basically you have a five-by-five five grid of a bunch of words that are out on the table or whatever, and you're on teams and you have one person on each team. Um, They're kind of like the team leaders and they're trying to get their own team to guess their words on this five by five grid. There are eight or nine words that your team has to guess. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you do your math, right, one team has eight, the other team has nine. The nine is the one that goes first. Um, so 17 words total that need to be guessed out of 25. The extras are, it kind of leans into this spy um, idea. That's why it's code names. Mm-hmm. You're trying to get them to guess the spies. Um, if you guess a word that's incorrect, you got a civilian. Um, and if And there's one word in there that's like, the eight ball, if you shoot it prior to the end of the game, you die automatically mm-hmm. when you get this guy. He's the assassin. So I don't know. The it honestly, this idea of the the spy motif that they try to maintain, it's really immaterial. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea is that you're just trying to get them to guess these particular words. And your team doesn't know what the words are. Your job as the uh, the leader, so to speak, is you on your turn, you try to come up with a way to get your team to guess as many of the words as you think they can guess as safely as possible. <laughs> you okay. know, um, so it's like the words can be totally random too. They're, they have no connection. So it's your job like, okay, I, I might be able to get them to guess three words. So you call out a number, you say three, and then you have one word that you can give as a hint as to what links those three words together out of all 25 of these. 
And it is so difficult for the person who's trying to make these connections because you have to be aware of what your eight or nine words are. You have to be aware mm-hmm. of what the other team's words are in case you give a hint that makes them guess the other team's words or even the instant death one. <laughs> you know, you've right. got to be juggling a lot, but it's fun because it gets people talking. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, okay. So what the, what he might mean by this? Uh, he said, um, George Washington. Okay. Well, let's see. That makes me think United States. Uh, Ooh, that we've got us right there. We've also got uh white house, white. Well, he was a president. Uh, I don't know if he was actually in the white house. Was it finished by that time? I don't remember when the white house was finished. Anyway, it doesn't matter. You know, that could be a clue anyway. Uh, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's getting people talking and it, it lets you see how other people think too, which is mm-hmm. fun. And then yeah. when you rotate that position, you also you get people getting angry at the other people like, oh, why didn't you say this word instead? That word was so hard. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then when they have their turn as the person, they're like, oh man, we, you have some empathy because it is so difficult to be the person to select clues um, and everything like that. So that's a fantastic game to get people talking and enjoying each other's company. And if you have the right people, it's fun and you have lots of jokes going on. It, it could be just a really enjoyable experience. We did that um, not too long ago with, uh, with your family and, uh, and my other, my youngest sister and, and her husband too. We all did it. It was your, your parents and your siblings. It was a lot of fun. Ooh. Sounds awesome. Yeah. It reminds me of a game. Well, a couple games, like there's like the hidden role games, which are kind of fun. I, I played one of those with some friends. It's been like two years now. Probably the pre-COVID era when we can get together and play a card game. Um, yeah. But like you had like hidden roles and like two people were um, saboteurs and the people were not saboteurs. And like you had to get the right guns for like the mission to go fight the aliens or whatever. But you had two alien spies are trying to sabotage it. And so like you had to, you had to vote whose opinion you'd listen to. Like, oh, that guy knows what he's doing. Let's give him the power to choose the guns or choose the whatever. And as soon as you give him that power, then if they're the, the traitor, then they can screw you over. So you have to be very careful with who you give the power to. And it was very much a, I like those that get you to talk, but it yeah. also reminded me of one that is a similar concept of trying to get the people to guess the thing, but you can't talk. So I think it's called Mysterium. Uh-huh. Pretty sure where uh, you have to get the people to guess a picture. And these piece, like the players are mediums and they're seeing your ghost from beyond and you're trying to tell them like how you died or something. I don't remember the, the setup for it. So what you do is as the ghost, you, you give abstract pictures to people. So like you give like two pictures as visions to the mediums and they try to take those visions and guess which picture in front of them your pictures correspond to. So like one of them is like this, one of the pictures that they can guess is like this kid's room. That's a kid's toys and like a window and like a, like a, it's like an attic loft room, you know? And like, that's one of the pictures they can pick with lots of details. And what do you have as the ghost? We well, have like a picture of like all red with like a fork, <laughs> you know, like something really weird and abstract. So like, what if I just pick, all red stuff and like only red motif things. And then their picture is mainly red and they'll totally get it. So you give them like three red things and they're like, well, in the second red picture, you know, there's a, there's like this knight riding off into like a castle, you know? So maybe that's like the weapon room that I have over here. Like, no, ignore the knight, ignore the, ignore everything. <laughs> it's just, there's the red part. Just look at the red. See how they're all red? And so like you as the ghost can't talk, but like listening to people try and interpret what you say through pictures is hilarious because they're always get it wrong. And they always <laughs> think you're insane. Like, why would you pick that? That's craziness. But um I got one of them right as a player because the ghost gave me like two pictures that were framed in like a certain way. Like I had like a um I am forgetting all my terms right now. But that oval shape 
darkness to make it more portrait-like. Vignette. Thank you. They're both vignetted a little bit. And then one of the rooms had a natural vignette, the architecture, and I'm like, it's that one because of the vignetting. But the person who was the ghost knew I had to design background. And so Mm. gave those to me. So they were being clever about it. And it was really fun. And like afterwards, talking to the person playing the ghost is just hilarious. I'm like, oh, I tried to do this. And you guys just totally missed it. So some games are built around that. And I really do like those. Yeah. What was that one called you? You mentioned? I think it was called Mysterium. Mysterium. Let me double check that one. Yeah, Mysterium. And if you buy uh, Mysterium on Amazon, please make sure to enter coupon code. Just kidding. We don't have any coupon <laughs> codes. <laughs> We're not supported by anybody. Sorry. <laughs> we should definitely have an ad break going forward, though. <laughs> All right. You ready for this? Okay. Trivia question number two. I brought two today. And we're going to be talking about money in the prize pool. Okay. So for chess, how much do you think, so like the, the chess championships of the world oh, man, of I don't 2021, know. what is the prize pool that is distributed to all people? To all people? Yeah. So like number one, of course, gets the biggest chunk. They get 60% of the pot. And I think second okay. place gets a big chunk of that. Um, but then like, you know, third, fourth, fifth, they all get a little bit of the prize pool. All the way down to like some pretty big number, depending on the size of the tournament. But all of the money for the entire championship for chess. In 2021. I have no idea. I'm just saying one mil. One million dollars split between the people. Uh, sure. Wrong. It is. Of course I am. Two. Two million. Oh, hey, that wasn't that far off then. It's <laughs> not that bad. Not too bad. Not too bad. <laughs> For context. The 2019 Fortnite World Cup Finals. Oh, gee. Fortnite World yeah. Cup Finals. In the, solos, in the solos category where you play by yourself, the top player, just them, walked away with $3 million. What the heck? The top player in solos and Fortnite got paid more than the entire prize pool of chess. Yeah, because <laughs> chess is lame. Fortnite was $30 million. So my point is, I don't know why people play chess at a professional level because just play Fortnite. It's much more I don't more know why people play chess. Period. I like chess as a casual thing. It's kind of fun. Ugh, ugh. I don't know. Although What's I do remember when you were young, a uh, young kid, you would teach my sister how to play chess. Okay, good. You move she, here. She's never, now I take that piece. <laughs> never let me forget. Yep. <laughs> it's been a defining moment of my life of like, okay, I have to teach people in a way that I lose so they don't feel cheated <laughs> and bring it up for the rest of your life. Got it. We'll do that. That's that's my sister. She doesn't forget things. She doesn't. No. But what's your favorite board game that you ever played? Ah, oh, that's a good question. I don't know. What what do you enjoy? You enjoy code names? You hate life? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> <laughs> you, you hate life, you Copyright. hate badly. Hate risk. You hate games that take a lot of setup. So, yeah, I guess, I, I guess, honestly, I just don't play a whole bunch of games. Um, and we've kind of talked about in the, that in the past with, with our video game segment where we talked about RTSs. I just, I don't have a whole lot of time for it anymore. Sure. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't really play them much. I'll play, I play the most games with my oldest son. He's, he's getting into it. He really enjoys games. Um, we have a game that he likes to play called Sushi Go. That's kind of fun. Um, and you can change the rules. So if he gets older, we can 
switch up what kind of rules situation we're dealing with. My wife does yeah. not enjoy that game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of fun. Um, but I, I do enjoy card games. Uh, it's, it's kind of what I grew up with, with a regular deck or with a specialized deck. We'll play phase 10. That's pretty fun. Um, or skip bow. That's a good one. My oldest son's getting pretty good at skip bow, actually. Um, I haven't played that one as much, but phase 10, I've definitely played a lot. I do like that one. Um, if I have a standard deck of cards, I just play Egyptian War. That's that's my my go to. Yeah. It's so good. Um, I had a good year growing up when I played Spades. Like oh. every every school day at lunch, and uh, got pretty good at that game. <laughs> Interesting. So played a ton of Spades. Yeah, I don't remember how to play. Yeah, cards it, were always. Like, go ahead. Yeah. I, I just I played it so much that um like there's a betting a component, I'm pretty sure. You have to like bet how much you and your partner can get. And based uh-huh. on how close your bet is, um you get points, I believe, or something like I was getting really good at getting these numbers right and stuff. Like it's it was really fun. Yeah, it's well, I was just going to say that you mentioned high school. I, I played a lot of cards in high school because you just kind of do that, especially when you have downtime. This was <laughs> this was obviously back before phones were as <laughs> useful as they are now. Yes. Because, um, shoot, you know, I, like I said, I, I, I teach. And so my students, whenever there is any downtime at all, that's what they're doing. They're on their phone. Yeah. Um, but it was for us, it was always just have something handy, have a book handy when you're going to, uh, an appointment so you can read something while you're waiting in the waiting room because you didn't have phones to do that with. Um, and yeah, the same thing with entertaining yourself with friends, you just have a deck of cards somewhere. And so we would play Egyptian war, we'd play BS, we'd play, um, all kinds of things. I think we even made up our own or someone in our friend group made up a, uh, like a spoons variant. It was a team version of spoons called it jungle, (laughs) (laughs) which if I'm not mistaken is Spanish for monkey, but you would, uh, yeah. So you'd have, you'd have to make sure you have an even number. So you'd have a partner but the idea is that you would talk with your partner about um, some sort of signal. And in spoons, the idea is to get four of a kind in your hand as you're passing the cards around, right? And as soon as you get your four of a kind, you grab the spoon and you've won. Whoever's left out is, is done. Well, this one, it's the same basic premise. You're going for four of a kind as you pass all the cards around. Except once you get your four of a kind, the only way to win is to get your other team member to say chongo out loud so you can't say it so you have to get your team member to say it except and well you have to get your other team member to say it but if someone intercepts and recognizes that you are trying to get your team member to say chongo they can say chongo and take the win from you um Mm -hmm. so anyway it was kind of a fun fun game and you had to like get your signals what this is what I'm going to do when I've got it. And so then it becomes like this really goofy thing. Like, wait, was that a signal? Or maybe that was their throw off signal. Maybe that's the thing they do to get us to say Chongo. Cause if you guess Chongo <laughs> and nobody has it, then you're also out of the game. <laughs> <laughs> and so you'd have people like rubbing their nose. It's like, no, that was too obvious. That can't be. <laughs> and it was anyway, it's kind of a fun game, but that's just what yeah, we did in high school. It's just, yes. Yeah, it's just a way to interact with each other, have something to do that was small, fit in your pocket, and you pull them out. Um, but yeah, these days I don't, I just don't play board games very much, other than with my son. And you know, when we had family over to to do a board game night, that was a lot of fun. But again, it yeah. was not intense. It was all very socially based, um, and that was that was a cool experience. But. 
So what is my favorite board game? I don't know. I don't know. I listed yeah. a few that are kind of fun or enjoyable. But I, I did have one more big question for you, though. And you mentioned this Gloomhaven game, which you described as being an RPG board game version. So my question is, why? What's why? the benefit? Because an RPG, I have always felt, is so good on like computers. They have graphics. They've got turns. It, it does it all for you. There is no setup. You click the buttons and it goes. And then when you're done, you turn it off and it stays in one place and it takes up no physical space. So mm -hmm. what is it about a board game so elaborate as that that makes you want to play that rather than a computerized version, especially since they're now having board games on computers, <laughs> you know? Totally. And like it's, uh, you can play Gloomhaven on the computer. So like, I think that's as interesting as now because you want like, they can set it up for you. It has character animations. It has all these things on the computer for Gloomhaven. And it's cheaper to buy it on the computer. Because, like, retail version for Gloomhaven board game is $150. And um, what the, the computer version is $30. So, you know, what, what's going on there? Um, it's also not a small box. So physical space requirement is also pretty extreme but why 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 is the question because it is manual it's it's got a intrinsic value to it i feel like there's there's something there um i grew up in that same era as you did that phones were not as entertaining as they are today but like before like you mentioned before you went to anywhere that you knew that there was going to be a weight involved, you did bring a book. You did bring something to entertain yourself, right? Like you didn't trust the magazines in the doctor waiting room because they all suck and knew that. So like, <laughs> you brought your own reading material. But today I never think about it. I just go a place. And if, as soon as I'm bored, like just pull up my phone set. Like I have infinite entertainment possibilities on this little box that, it's kind of terrifying. And the fact that your students do that now makes perfect sense. I also hate it, but it makes perfect sense because I had such great times with that deck of cards because I did the same thing. Like I played sorts of games with my friends in high school or I read books in high school. And like, those are precious memories to me. I cannot think of too many precious memories I've had with my phone. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, it's very different. And so so much of my life is digital. Um, this podcast we're doing, you know, via video chat online. Um, I work remotely from home. I do so much on my computer um, or I go in the family room and I play on my PlayStation or I watch a movie. Like it's so digital all the time that it is refreshing to have to move something physically on a board. And like set it up myself. Um, so just that immediately is refreshing. As for the tedium of it, um, it's a lot of stuff to set up. It's a lot of stuff to take down. But it's it's something I understand. And again, like these are pieces that I own. Um, it doesn't happen very often, but occasionally when you're playing a game online with a friend, you know the servers go down or like whatever. We have pretty reliable internet, but what happens when the power goes out? What happens when you know these things happen? I can still play Gloomhaven just fine, you know, and like I always can. The, and short of my house burning down, like I can play Gloomhaven <laughs> because there's no requirement on any technology, just me knowing where the pieces go. And that's cool too. Um It's also just something I've learned that it's easier to have fun one-off rules in board games than it is in video games. So I'm going to use um, a game that we both know very well, Horizon Zero Dawn, for example. Yeah. 
in the beginning of that game, you are an archer lady, Aloy, and you're shooting stuff with your bow. And sometimes that's people, sometimes that's robot dinosaurs. And then the end of the game, you're Aloy. You're running through. Sometimes you're shooting people. Sometimes you're shooting robot dinosaurs. <laughs> and then the credits roll. I mean, like there, there's no change in what your main loop of gameplay is. There's definitely dialogue and there's story. You're talking to people. You're doing quests. You go from point A to point B. Um, you deliver an item. You deliver dialogue, whatever. But like the main thing that you do is point A to point B, shoot the robot dinosaurs, shoot the people, whatever. Gloomhaven is similar. It's very, very repetitive. There's a dungeon. Your characters are in the dungeon. There are usually things to kill in that dungeon. Go kill the things in the dungeon. Or get the treasure. Or, you know, there's only so many scenarios that can really play out. But because it's a board game, they can just throw curveballs in there occasionally, which is really, really neat. Um, the prize for one of the things that we got was in a treasure chest was a note. Um, and yeah, it's not super exciting, but we, the note was a physical envelope we had to go find. So like find envelope A. Okay. So I was digging through the box and I found envelope A and we opened it and there was a whole bunch of like symbols. Um, we're looking at this note full of symbols. We're like, <laughs> we can't read this. And so I'm like, okay, let's dig through the box again. And we found a translation key. And there was an ominous threat from some force we hadn't met yet threatening us. And like the fact that we had to find a physical note, open it, see that we couldn't read it, find a translation key, get a piece of paper, get a pen, and like work through it like that. That was kind of neat. You know, like, I have not had a video game throw something that weird at me in a very long time where like the game is no longer helping you. <laughs> you have to go get some physical media to translate a thing. And it's just this vague threat. And that's kind of neat. I kind of like that. Um, again, you can digitize that for sure, but there's something about manually translating with paper from an envelope you just opened. It's, it's got something, something there. Yeah, that's interesting. I I know that Zoe have already talked about Risk, but the time I actually enjoyed playing Risk was when it was computerized. <laughs> <laughs> um, your your mom introduced me to Risk 2, which was the computer version on CD-ROM, baby. You. Yeah. <laughs> By Microprose. And... Uh, yeah, everything was online. So when you had a battle sequence, it would like zoom in onto the battlefield. You'd see your dudes doing their stuff and you'd roll the dice and all that. Uh, and they even had various rule changes that you could do and it would change it up for you. Uh, you'd have different uh, dice that you would use. Um, you could also have, well, I forget what it was, but like instead of everybody taking turns, everybody does their battle orders all at the exact same time, which you couldn't yes. do in person. It would be impossible. Um, and that was just a really cool enhancement of the game. I always felt. Oh yeah. It had everything. Everything was still there. Um, but also considered like growing up with those types of computer games, it wasn't an online game. It was a hot seat game. <laughs> mm -hmm. You all gathered around the computer. It was still very much a social endeavor. What you mentioned was like this current trend. If you're going to play a game on the computer, you're playing it online with people. They're not yeah. there with you, which is a different experience. I, I, I see where you're coming from with this idea of having uh, a physical game to touch and hold because the other person's got to be there to touch and hold it with you too. <laughs> right. You know, so that, that's a very interesting thing. Uh, I think though, this, this idea of having everyone in the same space is probably why uh, your family and, and a few of mine would love playing heroes of might and magic so much. Mm -hmm. It's not a board game. It's a computer game, but it was a really cool hot seat game where you'd take turns and play with people. Still very much a, a social endeavor. And so in many regards, I think that might fill the same um, 
check the same boxes, so to speak. Um, but but I see where you're coming from with with having it there in front of you, looking at something, something to interact with, a very tactile experience. Uh, yeah. It could be could be fun and enjoyable. Maybe put you in it in a way that something on the computer couldn't. Yeah, and like it, it's more forgiving as well. And in a lot of ways, because like you are enforcing the rules, which is you can be kind to people getting into it. Like, oh, you shouldn't shouldn't move there. You move, let's move you over a little bit to you know help you out because you moved in the wrong spot, and we don't want you to yeah. die. Next, next time, next time, yeah, yeah next time you'll, you'll figure it out. Like you couldn't do that with a video game, right? Like, oh, you're dead. Like you can you'll come back next game or whatever. Yeah. Like, and like that's it's interesting. You can always, yeah, and like there's also a an element of secrecy that is is fun where you can all see the board together. I guess you can do this in digital space too, but having a hand of cards that the other player can't see, you know, and like that, that's kind of fun too, just to have, have secret stuff. But I think it's similar to reading a book versus reading on a Kindle or on your phone, right? Like it's, Reading in a Kindle is more convenient in most every way. You can read in the dark because it's backlit. Um, you can have all your books with you. Um, you can never really lose your bookmark because like, it saves your spot for you. You can read in a Kindle and switch to your phone and switch back to your Kindle. Like You can do all these cool things with the Kindle, but reading a book feels better. Yeah. yeah I'm not sure why. I'm not sure well, why for, paper is different, but yeah. You know, I, I, I've thought a lot about this because I read a lot, you know, especially being an English teacher. <laughs> um, <laughs> there are certain conveniences that I I don't think have yet translated to technology. Um, just being able to, you know, for instance, annotate, write notes in something. You just can't beat paper. Yes. Yeah. You got a pencil, you got it, you write it, it's right there. On my computer, my laptop, it has the ability to to write on the screen and all that stuff. But you have to make sure that you're in a program, in a software that's able to do that. The file type has to be right. You have to be able to zoom in to, you know, it's just mm -hmm. slightly more cumbersome in all ways to, to be able to interact with the text in that manner. Um, so there's that. But I mean, you're not always reading things to annotate them either. That's that's pretty specific for an English teacher and for an English class and digging for meaning, you know. So right. okay, let's lay that aside for a sec. I've discovered, for me personally, that I'm very spatially oriented. Um, I can I recognize things visually very well. So if I come across a line in a book that I really like, I can tell you about where in the book it is. And about, and which side of the page it was on, was it on the left or on the right? You know, it's like, oh, it was a uh, two thirds, you know, so I can get the pages right in my left hand and my right hand. <laughs> and then it was about here on this side of the page. And I can recognize where the paragraphs were breaking in the page format. You can't mm -hmm. do that in a Kindle. It's all fluid. You know, you zoom in and it, readjusts according to where they go. So they have pages in a Kindle book, but they're all just arbitrary placings. As soon as you zoom in slightly, all the pages are now different pages. And if you're not using a Kindle specifically speaking, because Kindle is Amazon's own property, like if you're reading a PDF or reading an EPUB or whatever, I don't know, you it just scrolls, endlessly scrolls. And you can't find anything ever again. You know, you might be able to say, okay, where's that scroll wheel on my right-hand side? But they make those so, um, uh, what's the word for it? So unassuming these days that it's just this tiny little thing on the right-hand side. So you have more viewing area that mm -hmm. you're not really paying attention to it. Yeah. Um, you, you lack all that spatial um, relationship with the text. And you I've found, weirdly enough, 
that I don't remember it as well because it doesn't have all those other elements to help me keep track of it, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense to follow on that thought. It, it matters where lines and paragraphs fall on a page. I've found that especially like chapter breaks, you know, like and again, in the Kindle, it's, it's very quick to move from one page to the other page being used yeah. metaphorically. And then like the, the next chapter, like the chapter headings usually has like some fun art with like a number used in the books I read. Nice like art next to a number. Um, you have a title there. And then like the next couple words are like all caps or bolded or like has like this extra presentation to it before it gets into other things. Um, yeah, the act of like having the end of a chapter and high up on a page and you have like this entire three quarters of a page of blank space of just like cliffhanger has an impact. That white space has an impact of being that dot, dot, dot of what's going to happen next. You have to turn the page. You see the presentation of the next place. And like, you can also do some fun stuff with blocking of words that only translates well on paper. So I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. Well, we have completely now departed from board games, but <laughs> board but games do the same thing. It, it segued into this idea at the very least. It was a similar idea. So anyway, I think uh we have broken our record as far as longest time goes. We'll see when we actually cut this thing how long it'll be. But <laughs> but uh here that's uh, another episode of Hawks and Handsaws, folks. Hope you've enjoyed your time with us and uh, we'll see you <laughs> next time round. <laughs>